this last message I want to talk about is environments. Say environments. So the king, the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies. We preached it. Of, and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that they, how many know the world is trying to train us? <laughs> this is how you behave, and if you don't behave, we will cancel you. Well, you can't cancel the word of God, so there's that. So that at the end of that time, they might serve before the king, little K. Huh. Now, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle and Azariah, those were their real names. But you know, we preach this, the enemy tried to change their names. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Michelle, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. Okay? Abednego. Let's go to Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. Daniel 6. Then this Daniel distinguished himself. Say, he distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an say it, excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Uh -huh. So the governors and satraps sought to find, how many know whenever you get a promotion, someone's going to try to come against you? So they wanted to bring some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was, he, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Okay? Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel, and, un, and unless, uh, unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God, the, the, the only way we're going we're gonna to trap him is to use his Bible against him, trick him up in his own, in, you know, using, using Christianity. And that's what they're trying to do now. They're actually using Christianity to accuse us. So all the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, the satraps, councils, advisors, consulted together to establish this royal statute and make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for the next 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the, into the den of lions. Verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and he never prayed again. And in his, I, I, I might go back and preach another series on upper rooms. There's six or seven of them in Scripture. With his windows, oh, he didn't even close the windows. People say, Daniel, use wisdom. No, 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 when I pray, I'm facing Jerusalem. I'm opening my window. It's what I've always done. It's what I'm always going to do. Do. I'm serving my God, and I don't care what the world does. I'm going to keep doing what I do as a Christian, as God has called me. That's what I'm going to do. Amen. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since 
early days. Ah. Daniel said, it's important that I keep my environment the same that I've always kept it. The world is dark and evil, but I need to walk in my environment. And that's done through praise and prayer and attention to God. I think I shared this with you a few weeks ago, but you've all heard it said that this is a good place to sow. You can sow good seed into good soil, and you'll get a harvest. That's not true. Because you can sow good seed in good soil. You can sow an orange seed in the best soil you can find. And put it here in Ohio. And it'll grow for a couple months. And then it's like, I'm done with this. And your plant is dead. Was the seed good? Was the soil good? What was wrong? The environment was wrong. Look on your little seed packs. We are in a climate zone. Certain things you can plant, certain things you cannot plant. Well, you can, but it will die. There are certain times of the year you plant because you are in an environment. You are in that climate zone. Come April, we could put potatoes in the ground. Glory to God. (laughs) If we lived in Florida... You can plant tomatoes whenever you want, potatoes whenever you want, right? It's a different zone. Every church has a zone. And a lot of times things don't happen, or if they do happen, they don't last because the zone is bad. I want you to hear what I'm saying here because that's we, we... This is our responsibility to set the environment. And we do that through prayer and praise. There are now, what, nine prayer meetings in the building every week. And as attendance grows, that's going to... Why do you think God's moving like he's moving in our services? Somebody's praying. Somebody's praying. Some of you are just showing up and getting the rewards and going home with your basket of goodies. But someone's paying a price. Someone is setting the environment. You see, the environment will determine whether there are signs and miracles. The environment will determine if people get healed. The environment will determine if they're saved and if they stay saved. Amen. The environment will determine, wow, the presence and glory of God in the services. But you have to be willing to play your part if you can't get here, my God, we got them everywhere from 5 o'clock in the morning till 7 o'clock at night. You're, I know if, if you can't fit that time frame, then you start a prayer meeting at 3 a.m. Praise God. There's a prayer meeting sometime that you can come to. You say, well, I just pray at home. Well, good. 
But how many know there's just something about the house of the Lord and somebody praying and the word going forth all the time in the sanctuary of the Lord? Oh, my God. Hallelujah. So we have to sow seed. In, how many know we have good, good seed? How many know this church is good soil? And now we've become a great environment. Daniel was victorious because he refused to let them. He said, you can change my name, call me something different, but my environment is going to stay the same. Throw me in the lion's den, but my environment, I'll pray in the lion's den. Whew. And he turned, the, he turned the lion's den into a petting zoo. Here, kitty, kitty. <laughs> so the example I want to share about environment, one of the greatest ones I think in Scripture, and there's, there's many. We all know about Eli, right? Not the song. Eli, the priest, who is the priest when Samuel's born. Samuel the prophet. I don't have time to get through the whole thing, so are you on board with me? You can go to first, the whole book of 1 Samuel, read it when you get home, and you'll understand. So Hannah, uh, Samuel's mother, right, can't conceive. She's praying. She's acting like a drunk woman. She got an early Pentecost. And she's praying, stammering lips, and the priest, Eli, thinks she's drunk. <sighs> He said, I'm not drunk, I'm just, I'm just moved. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, listen, sometimes you've sometimes you got to pray desperate prayers. You've got to get real with this stuff. This little lay me down to sleep thing, that's not going to get it. We've got we to get real with God, get desperate with God. We need a move of God. I need my loved one saved. Got to do it. We got to send someone if they won't hear me. But they've, we've got to see them saved. Mm. And, and e, but listen, Eli, there, there's a lot here I got to teach. Right, will you be okay? So, so Eli is a type of the dead church today. Look at Eli. First of all, he's old. I sh I'm not going to hold that against him, but you understand some people have been saved too long. They're just, they're just old in the spirit. They're, they oppose everything. They're grumpy. They're, you know, we don't put them on the greeter team. Amen. <laughs> so so he, he, he's old. He's overweight. We've got churches that are just full of the world, but not full of God. He's going blind. He can't see. He's lost his vision. Pastors will get into pulpits and say, I heard from God, and here's what we're going to do. And they'll say, no, you're not. I was here when you came, and I'll be here when you leave. And we tried that once, and we're never going to do it again. Oh, my God. He is stiff-necked. He falls over in the chair and breaks his neck. What does that mean? The neck is always a type of the will. He's going to do it his way. 
He is stiff-necked. He's not mobile. We see him sitting in a chair in the scriptures later. So he's not, he's not moving anymore. He's old. He's overweight. He's blind. He's, he's, he's stiff-necked. This is a type of the dying church. I mean, no, 1,500 churches a month are shutting their doors. They're dead. And some are already dead. They just don't know it. Come on. They're dead. They're dead. And Eli's a type of this priest. And his sons, his generation is wicked. Eli failed to raise up another generation after him. And there are churches now where, you know, if you're in your 40s, you're in the youth group. Okay? There's no generation coming up. When they die, that's it. And the world thinks that's really what the church looks like. And they're just waiting for us to die. But I got news for them. Did you see all these young people up here at the altar? They're excited. They're on fire. Not only that, God's guaranteed them a future. You know, far-flung Jim Cam, they're, they're, I think they're back now. They just got back from Alaska. They took 20 Lee University students with them. Oh, those poor kids. Amen. They got a taste of real missions work. But it's alive. It's alive. You know, and while they were up in Alaska, there was another team in Uruguay. I think they had 10 Lee University students. And at the same time, Lee, or Far Fung Tin Cans, one of their worship teams was leading Winterfest with 10,000 kids in Gatlingburg, leading the worship. All going on at the same time. I tell you, far flung tin can is everywhere. If Jesus comes back early, it's their fault. How many are okay with that? Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Maranatha. Glory to God. So this is the picture. This is the picture. And Eli falls over and he loses, right? I don't have time to get into all that. He loses the ark in the battle. The Philistines steal the ark. The devil has stolen the very presence of God from churches. And I think, I think he tried to crush this service this morning. And I'm going to say this, too. I don't know who it is. If I knew, I would go to you privately. But there's one, maybe two people that were facing some kind of accident, some kind of bad stuff, and that has been removed in the name of Jesus. I appreciate you. You just believe what you want to believe, but that's what I felt in my spirit. And that, that, that sword of Damocles was just dangling over your head, but God just removed it in the name of Jesus. And you can go home safe. Rebuke that. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. My God. Hallelujah. So, so okay, i got to do something here. First, first Samuel chapter 2, verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. Verse, um, that's why you knew that when I said that. Verse 17. Therefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. But Samuel, say, but Samuel. But the young child, Samuel, ministered before the Lord, even as a child, wearing a little linen ephod. That's the priest garment. Can you see him? I, I can see Jack in his little linen ephod. And 
running around ministering before the Lord. Amen. I'm sorry. First Samuel chapter 3. A lot of, a lot of word, but it's all storytelling. First, first Samuel chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And let me explain this. Samuel represents this next generation that's replacing the one that should have been raised up. And God has just taken young people right off the street because some of us failed to raise up our children in the fear of the Lord. Other things were more important. So he says, oh, you know what? I'll just go into the highways and byways, which means homeless people, and I'm going to bring them in. So Samuel becomes the next generation. But he's ministering before Eli because Eli's still there. More on that in a minute. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Listen, today there's a lot of preaching, but not much anointed preaching. Oh, God. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place, which he did a lot of. <laughs> and, you know, worshiping at St. Mattress, Pastor Pillow, you got all that? Yeah. And when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, it's a gradual thing. And before the lamp of God, that's the presence of God, before the presence of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, the presence of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. Now, you know this happened three times. He thinks it's Eli calling him because that's the only voice he knew. Now, watch this. Let's not despise. Let's not, I'm not critical. I mean, I know, I know there's the Eli generation out there. They're not hearing from God, but they do remember how it's done. And some of these priests have lost out with God, but in many churches, listen to me, in many churches, there's a young generation coming up, and they're catching fire, and they're catching a vision. And if the elders are smart, even though they don't understand it, they don't see it, they will help to explain it. And Eli says, go lie down, and when you hear the voice again, say, here I am. Wow. And the Lord gave him a message. I don't even want to get into it because it really was bad for Eli. But there's that. How many want to be part of that generation that God is raising up? My God, my God, my God, my God. So, and there it is. Samuel went out. He said, here, for, here I am, for you called me. He answered again. So uh, now Samuel did not yet know the. Oh, this is great. There's a whole generation that are excited, but they don't even know God yet. They've, they've felt a touch. You know, all these young people in these universities, God's moving. You know, some of the old people criticized it. Not, not in this church. <laughs> They criticized, they said, well, they just played a lot of loud uh, uh, music, and they just played it over and over again. They just played on their emotions, and yeah, Eli. No, they don't know the Lord yet. 
But they're going to get there. They're on their way, and it's going to happen. Come on. We just need to tell them, just be still and listen, and the voice will come. Ah, this is a word to someone in this church this morning. You don't understand what just took place in here, but my advice to you, the same advice I got when I first came out of the Catholic church into a wild, I'm talking wild Pentecostal church where I'm just like, I hope they don't crash. A wild church, and all I had, I didn't understand a bit of it, didn't understand tongues, I didn't understand anything, I didn't understand why people were falling down, I didn't get any of it, but there was something within, there was a voice inside of me that said, you don't need to understand it, but it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me, it's me! And I haven't calmed down since. Next verse. Just keep throwing verses up there. I don't know what. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. He arose. He went to Eli. Here I am. You did call me. Eli finally perceived that it was the Lord. Amen. I think one more verse nine. And then Eli said to Samuel, "Go lie down. It shall be if he calls you. You must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Your servant hears." So we spin forward. To adulthood, and Samuel is now a prophet. And remember, the people wanted a king, and they anoint Saul as king. Why? Because he's good looking, he's tall, he's head and shoulders above everyone else. Even today, it helps to be tall <laughs> and good looking. I do not know this from experience, but I'm just telling you, <laughs> I've noticed this. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jesus. So, so, he becomes king, and he starts out, and I, I might have a scripture on this, if I do throw it up. <laughs> But, but remember when he first got called to be king, the spirit came on him, and he prophesies. And everyone's like, Saul's among the prophets now? Because when Samuel anointed him, he got into the presence of God. And though he was not a prophet, though he knew not how to prophesy, though he had never prophesied before, when he got under the anointing, he began to prophesy like he was a prophet. He got into an environment. And he started doing things he didn't understand and never did before. Oh, come on, it's going to get better now. Hang on. Hang on. But what happened to him? He began to listen to the people more than God. Come on. He became, he really picked up what we call a political spirit. And too many churches are operating in politics. A political spirit 
What I have to do to get ahead. What I have to do to manipulate people and control. And they actually teach this sometimes. They say, you got to keep everything under control. Well, first of all, I figured out you can't. It's like herding cats. You know, you're just not. You, did you ever see someone walk along and there's 20 cats? Just, you can't even put a. Did you ever see anyone try to put a leash on a cat? Weird? They, they, they just go, no, I'm not. Cats are different than dogs. I don't understand people who like cats. I just don't get it. Oh, my cat loves me. Well, leave the door open. Probably goes for your dog, too, just... Yeah, he loves you. Oh, I could do more here, but it, really, it, would, get, it, would, it would get ugly. <laughs> so Samuel tells them, if you remember the story, they had a battle, kill everyone, <laughs> make sure you wipe out, because if you leave anybody, listen, when you fight the devil, make sure you get all the devils. Because if you leave a little devil, you leave the door open, all he needs is a crack. He just needs to get his little foot in the door. Amen. If you're going to fight the devil, defeat the devil. Amen. In Jesus' name. But he wanted to please the people. So he kept some of the better animals, and he let them keep it. And, and so, so Samuel comes after the battle, and, and, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. It's amazing how spiritual people get when they get their way. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, Then why do I hear <laughs> And they're supposed to be dead. Well, the people. He had given up to a political spirit. And you know that's why he anoints David and Dan David becomes king, right? Chapter 16, verse 14. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And a distressing spirit. Remember that scripture that says, that the house was cleaned and swept, but it wasn't occupied. So the devil got seven more. So now his state is worse than before he got a new heart. Wow. So, so and notice the Lord sent it. I know some of you have problems with that theology, but there it is. And, and he sent that spirit to trouble him. And Saul's servant said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. You're so smart. Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp. Hmm. And it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, and you shall be well. Huh. Interesting. So Saul said to his servants, provide me now a man who can play well. By the way, you need to play well or the distressing spirit gets worse. That's why we don't let some of you on the platform. We don't. Just, no. Provide me a man who can play well and bring him to me. Next verse. 
Now, then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person. Mm-hmm. And, a, and the Lord is with him. Wow. And so it was whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. What made the difference? What made the difference was the environment. David would bring an environment. He would bring the, 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 the presence of the Lord. That music would bring angels. It would bring ministering angels. It would, it would completely change the environment of the room from cloudy to sunny, from rainy to shiny. And he would, just, he would play, and that distressing spirit, though it came from God, could not stay when the environment changed. Devils do not like certain environments they run, they leave, they... That's why I tell people, you know, we, 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 we could pray for you over the phone, whatever, but sometimes, how many know it just helps to bring that person to the sanctuary? There's something about two or three gathering, amen, in his name that multiplies the environment and runs devils off. Am I, am I explaining this to anybody? Next verse. Whew. So the, the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand, and David was playing music with his hand. And Saul, see, sometimes <laughs> it's a war. It's a war. As you pray and praise, you're pushing back darkness and bringing in an environment. But the enemy sometimes will push back. And for a moment, Saul was feeling good, and then a thought came to him, I hate this guy. I hate this. And he had a spear there. I tell you, sometimes the devil wants to pin you to the wall. He throws the spear, and David knew it's time to get out of here. It's time to get out of town. And he escaped that night. Let's go to chapter 19, and we'll try to wrap this up. 1 Samuel 19. This is where everything else was introduction. Here we go. So David fled and escaped, and he went to Samuel. His spiritual father. Wow. At Ramah. And told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed at Nioth. Now it was told Saul saying, take note. David is at Nioth at Ramah. Those two words mean, Ramah means a place that is lifted up. He went to a high place. When the devil's attacking, go to your high place. And, And Nioth means to be home, to be at rest. So he goes to a high place 
where he could be at rest. He goes back to his spiritual father. He reconnects. Remember what it says in the last words of the Old Testament in Malachi, that God wants to restore sons to fathers and fathers to sons in the last days. So there's a reconnecting. But I want you to catch something. He's running from Saul who has an army. Samuel doesn't even have a sword. There's no army there. And Saul knows where he's at. Next verse. Wow. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Let me read this. Then, Samuel, then Saul sent messengers to take David. I mean, no, the devil's after you. And when these soldiers, they were soldiers, they saw the group of prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as leader over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul and they also prophesied. Here they come with their, we're coming to get, the, well, that saith the Lord. <laughs> There's Pastor Samuel, and he's got his worship team. And they begin to sing and prophesy. And as they come with their, we're here to get David. And they're like, oh, glory to God, I felt that. And they prophesied also. Next verse. So then he also went to Ramah and, and came to the great well that is at Seku. So he asked and said, where are Samuel and David? And someone said, indeed, they are at Naoth in Ramah. That, that's where they're at, Saul. So he, so he went there. Now, remember, he sent soldiers, I think it's three times, and they all wind up prophesying, every one of them. So Saul goes. Then the Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Nioth of Rama. <laughs> you know you're in the very presence of God when the people who were sent to kill you start acting like you. We want an atmosphere that the minute they walk through those doors... The demons just fall off. And they just start acting like Pentecostal people and they don't even know what's happening to them. Saul had not prophesied since he was first saved. But now he gets into the... He comes with soldiers. He comes with weapons. He came to kill David. And all they... They didn't fight. They didn't, they didn't start a war. They just struck up the band. And they began to worship and praise God. Hallelujah. And that same spirit, because, because Saul had walked into the environment. And though he was a sinner, he was just, in, for a moment, he was just changed into that. Don't, don't ask me to explain that theologically. How that happens, I don't know, but it happened. And God will do amazing things, things you thought were completely impossible if you'll just get in the environment. Wow. Come on and praise him if you hear what I'm saying. And he walks with me, and he talks with me. Amen. Remember that song? Just walking with him in the garden. 
walking with him in the garden, walking with him in the garden. Remember the guy that got translated. He got, he got raptured. He, the Bible says he was walking with God one day, and then he took another step, and he was in the clouds. He just got in an environment where God said, you know what, just come home. Just come on home. Does that help you to understand revival and the awakening that God's causing? But even more than that, it's where you'll find your identity. If you read on in those scriptures, it said that Saul stripped off his royal clothes and prophesied. What does that mean? He stripped off the political spirit. And got back to worshiping God in priestly garments. Remember when David brought the ark back? Ah, and he took off his kingly clothes and he put on the linen ephod of a priest, though he was not of the tribe of Levi, but he, he was from the tribe of Judah. But Judah means praise. And he put on those linen ephods and he begins to dance in the power and presence of God. And his wife got, you know, got attitudinal. I don't even know if, is that a word? There's two of us. I'm praying now, God, let me walk in an atmosphere that will change restaurants. Let me walk in an atmosphere that will totally transform aisle 12 in Walmart. I don't know if I could do the whole, whole thing yet. God, give me an atmosphere in the counseling room. Give me an atmosphere in the car. Give, give, let, me, let me walk. I felt that atmosphere this morning. I, I told Michelle, I said, I only heard two words from God. High praise. That's all I heard. High praise. He didn't tell me what to do with it. He just said, high praise. I even looked it up, make sure. You know, and when it says high praise in the book, the word praise isn't even in there. It's, it's all about the word high. It means something exalted and lifted up. That's a type of praise that lifts up. And it said, if he be lifted up, he draws this environment's like a vacuum cleaner. It draws up, as you, but you got to lift him up. You can't lift up programs and preachers, but you got to lift him up. And as you lift him up, it creates environment. Some of you need this environment at home. Make my home a sanctuary. And every time I go into the home of, of, of my family and friends, let me bring that presence. I tell you, if the Holy Spirit can take someone who's trying to kill you and make him act like you, that's environment. That's 
powerful. I always wondered about these verses because it's really weird. But now I think I understand it. It's an environment that you walk into that restores you. Really, you know what it is? It's restoring it to who God made you to be. And that's why you act differently. If you bring someone to church Easter and you feel the Holy Spirit coming on you, don't, don't be like, no, I don't want to act like that. For some of you, it's just raising your hands is awkward. No, 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 no. You get in that environment, and before you know it, your friend will be doing what you're doing. Come on, come on, come on, come on. It's, it's, it's time to understand. You, you, don't need, you don't need weapons. You don't need all that stuff. Listen, you don't need arguments. What you need is the presence of God in you because as your enemy, as your enemies, as your enemies come against you, God will turn them to good. Oh, just, someone just got that in their spirit. God, just, just, just fall on them. The Holy Spirit can fall on the grossest, dirtiest sinner and just instantly change them. Woo! Glory to God. 